Japan's kind of nice in that people across the world will come here again and again and again. And not just otaku, that you know, the geek and the nerds, but you know, every kind of person. People interested in the shrines and temples, and yeah, just like traveling in Japan, but they just come again and again. A lot of people come to Japan, they become much more confident, much more outgoing. It's something kind of unique to Japan because Japanese people really are great listeners. That really helps um, to boost people's confidence and uh, kind of makes them more outgoing. So I definitely say that's a great thing about Japan. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Every Monday, I'll be joined by a guest to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you, designed to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Matthew Baxter, who has written several books about Japan, including his latest book, Tokyo Outdoors, 45 Walks, Hikes and Cycling Routes to Explore the City Like a Local. So today we're going to talk about Japan, Matthew's latest book and some previous books too. Matthew, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, nice and chilly here in Tokyo, but it's uh, perfect weather for going to a hot spring, I'd say. <laughs> Fair enough. So I then going to ask where you're based, <laughs> but you're in Tokyo. Yeah, I'm in a place called Chofu, which is a kind of one of the cities within a city in Tokyo, uh, just on the west side. Um, it's a little bit away from most tourist attractions, but it's, uh, it's a nice kind of quiet place to live. Awesome. We are going to delve into Tokyo and the areas and why you're there uh, in a bit. Mm. But first, I'd like to go back to sort of the start for travellers about where did your travel initially come from? Like, where did you grow up? Was there some early memories of travel? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I studied um, like game design at university, and uh, as a kind of graduation trip, we decided to uh, go to uh, Tokyo, actually Kyoto as well. And I didn't really know much about Japan apart from the video games. Um, but then when I actually came, I kind of thought, oh, Japan's like a really nice place to live. And um, so I decided to do a working holiday here. Ah, that was going to be one of my questions later, because the UK, if you're from UK, you can do a one year holiday visa, working holiday visa up to 31, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing visa because, yeah, you can work um, part time, relatively easy to find a job as a teacher if you need it. Um, yeah, it's like a really good thing to do. I'd highly recommend it to everyone. It's probably my biggest regret from the working visas. I've done quite a few. Uh, like, oh, right. Probably yeah. ticked off all the Commonwealth ones, but like the the Japanese one, I'm just, yeah, I just kind of regret not going there and doing it, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I was kind of lucky. I managed to do like New Zealand, Canada, and Australia as well. Yeah. Um, I, I regret not doing Taiwan because um, they have a working holiday. And oh, really? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And Taiwan's an amazing place. It's a bit yeah. like Japan. But just more chilled out um but the language is just unbelievably difficult so uh yeah i think it's okay just for a holiday but as, if you're doing a working holiday there i think you could really get the language down yeah we went a few months back to taiwan and oh, although wow. Eng english was sort of spoken okay uh for mm. like you know for a tourist is fine but yeah mandarin or cantonese whatever they speak that's just a yeah. tough, tough one to learn i think 
But what was kind of interesting is when I went there, I went there for just a few months and uh, for the older generations, you can speak Japanese to them and they'll probably understand pretty well. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and even some of the youngsters, they're kind of interested in learning Japanese because it's uh, kind of the cool country to go to yeah. along with Korea. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you'll, you'll, you can just say, you know, do you speak Japanese? And then you can have a nice little conversation. Is that based on sort of the friendship they have now, right? They're quite close, aren't they, Taiwan and Japan? Uh, yeah, I think. I think that's... And in the past, it was part of the Japanese empire as well. Um, so... Yeah. Some of the older generations they would have had the, like their high school in would have been in japanese yeah uh, um and i think it's just yeah it's passed on there's lots of business ties still uh like most of the department stores um like are owned or have some kind of connection with uh japan or lots of japanese businesses are set up there as well um so it's yeah, a little bit like uh canada and england or something like that or uh one of the british islands it kind of feels a bit like yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting subject right because it, it kind of yeah. goes back to the empire days uh, which yeah, is not a comfortable yeah, yeah. subject to talk about if you're from one of the countries yeah. that have dominated the country <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. They, they, cool. they, they have very good relations now it's uh, it's it's uh yeah they've healed a lot of wounds i think yeah it's interesting because yeah. they're done out now as china right as in the mainland obviously taiwan don't want to be part of that who can they sort of buddy up to to get the same ideas of that it's probably like japan and south korea right so on my travels i've just heard certain things you wouldn't believe like when i went to Vanuatu, when the british were there which is awful because mm. we colonized it we probably subjugated the local population to slave trade stuff or not treat them very well yeah and then some of them were saying they just want it back to the old days this is the locals i'm like i can't believe it because they just fear now certain countries coming in doing business and it's now ruined the country as they see now but back in the yeah, day it was better you just can't get your head around it yeah, I mean, that's one of the amazing things about traveling, isn't it? You kind of hear these opinions and it kind of sometimes opens your mind, sometimes it shocks you. Yeah. Even with things like immigration or, I don't know, like left and right politics, you you go to a, a country and you maybe thought you have one sort of persuasion politically mm. and then you you go to another country and your same, your same camp is like opposite opinion in general <laughs> to what your yes. camp back home. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> okay so maybe i was just thinking that just because i'm in that camp you know what i mean yeah, yeah. very interesting that's definitely what's one of the best things about traveling i think kind of opening your mind yeah that's probably one of the best things about it just get speaking to people see what they think um, but before we get to your japan affiliation were you interested mm. in travel before that um not really i think i found it pretty intimidating the idea of traveling especially mm -hmm. alone but japan is pretty easy if you're traveling alone yeah um compared to a lot of countries and of course it's safe as well so i think maybe when i came to japan i kind of relaxed a bit and um yeah it was much more comfortable traveling and where did the other work visas come into it? the australia new zealand canada oh yeah so that was kind of uh i was also like kind of approaching the 31 year old mark yeah um after about five six years in japan and i was like okay i have to do that I have to get out of my system um so i kind of left japan and then i did all those working holidays and once i'd done that i kind of thought okay uh now it's back now it's time to uh, get back to japan but, yeah get back to learning japanese interesting because my question would be i know we're jumping forward a little bit here but i'm, I'm keen to know was your mm. thinking when you left japan that maybe might settle in one of those countries or did you always think in the back in mind that you want to go back to japan 
Um, I think there was the first year or so I was like, okay, I, I actually don't want to go back to Japan. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of point that a lot of people get to in Japan after about four or five year mark where they're either like set and they're going to stay in Japan for the rest of their life or they're thinking they kind of need to get to a country that's more kind of uh, like normal, shall we say, <laughs> like, you know, not so not so different to the West. Um, yeah. But then for some people like me, after a few years, you enjoy living in, uh, you know, places like Australia and stuff like that. But then you, know, you think to yourself, OK, all about Japan is a bit weird at times, but there are some really cool opportunities here um, for foreigners um, as a country that's slowly, slowly opening up. And it's a really like a good place to start a business. Um, once you get past kind of all the, the rules and things, it's, uh, it's a lot of people starting businesses here and having quite interesting careers as a foreigner, not just because they speak English, but because the skills they bring from abroad. Mm. And so I kind of thought, okay, yeah, I could have a normal job in the UK or Australia, or I could come here and, I don't know, work at uh, some crazy tourist attraction or, um, or do all sorts of things. Yeah, so I kind of... Yeah, well, okay, actually, Japan's probably actually the nicest place to live, the most interesting place to live uh, yeah. from all these countries. I do love it. I can't deny it. Yeah. Maybe East Asia as a whole. I mean, I loved Taiwan. I love South Korea. Uh, I love mm. Japan. I don't think I'd have any qualms of any of those countries to to work for a bit. Uh, they're safe. They're, there's loads to do. Interesting cultures, interesting languages. It's weird. You feel like, oh, in the craziness of Asia, which is like, you know, Southeast Asia and South Asia, especially. I think mm. East Asia seems a bit, just a tiny bit more calm and a bit more, you know what, I could stay there for a longer period of time. Yeah. And it's like kind of, and it's also little, little sort of silly things like, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock at night here, you can go and get milk or go to the supermarket. Mm. And when you're back in the UK and it's like four o'clock on a Sunday and all the shops are closed, it's just, ah, yeah. oh, just things like that just get really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, UK's got a very interesting dynamic at the minute. Yeah, it's a, it's a love-hate, I think. Yeah, there's a reason I'm not there yeah. full-time at the minute. I mean, even here, they've got... Uh, I like to shock people with the kind of things that are open, like, 24 hours. Like, there's actually a, a jeans shop called uh, Jeans Mate, which is open 24 hours. So if you really wanted to, you could buy jeans at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, just weird things like that. Just They're just so convenient. Everything's so convenient. Even the... Uh, some of the cheap variety stores they're open 24 mm. hours as well so uh, let's say imagine like 10 minutes ago um my hdmi cable stopped working or yeah my phone charge stopped working i could just pop off to the variety shop a few minutes away and, and pick something up it would be it wouldn't be a disaster it'd be fine uh it's just those kind of conveniences in japan um just really help yeah yeah that's awesome and also what about like the work culture of a feeling that's quite hardcore work culture, right? Well, people assume it is anyway, where you have to work yeah. hours, maybe. Or... For people who are thinking about coming here to work, I would definitely like just be really careful. Um, it really depends on the company. Mm. If you're going to go and want to work for some traditional Japanese company, some bank um, or some kind of, you know, some really old company, mm they're going to have rules that are just not going to be able to be changed for newer companies um, or who work for a foreign branch here. Mm -hmm. It might be uh, much more relaxed. 
and uh, much more progressive. But I definitely, uh, I would always warn people like you, you wouldn't be able, you won't be able to change the whole culture of the company. No. Uh, but if you do find a company that's kind of more flexible and more uh, progressive, then uh, you can you can have a really amazing time here. Okay. And before we get stuck into uh, Tokyo and Japan as a whole, can I just take you back to that trip that you first went on post university? Yeah. Was that the one year working visa and was the idea to just go and see the country, do you think, at that point? Yeah, I think it was I think at first it was just a, a two week holiday and then literally I came back like in a few months later uh, on the working holiday. Um I think yeah, my, my initial um, impressions were just kind of I think people who are living here, we can always tell there's this kind of joke, we can tell who's a tourist and who lives here. If you're walking around and you're looking straight forward straight ahead of you you you're you're someone who's living here if you're always looking up at the towers and all the shops that yeah. are on the like 10th floor you're a tourist you're just amazed by all these sort of floors and floors and floors of different like attractions and and uh, businesses uh all these signs you know brightly lit signs um up into the sky um and i, I was just like kind of amazed by all the different uh foods and just the, the how people reacted and how people behaved it's just so different to uh anywhere i'd been to and um yeah just getting used to all the conveniences the the, the supermarkets the convenience stores the uh, conveyor belt sushi um it's just like it's pretty amazing it is a bit like being in a ghibli film at times you're absolutely right i think my yeah. my, my friend who goes on a few work trips there mm. they said it's, it's you can't explain it that well but yeah. it is the definition of organized chaos where yes. things are just going off everywhere lights sounds traffic people but there's a sort of orderly rule to it um, yeah it's a bit like um like the train stations or uh, the shibuya crossing would be a perfect example of that it, it, you, if you just looked at a picture you might think how is this working yeah but everyone just somehow gets to where they want to get to and like no one hits into each other or it's just very very like you know, people just walk through the hundreds thousands of people walking through the station mm. so everyone gets to their destination in time and how did you see japan in the first two weeks like what was your holiday was it just like dotting on the bullet train to a couple of cities or was there anything in particular that you, that you wanted to see like what was that first two week trip about and where did you go after on your one year work visa so we did we did like the classic um japan rail pass trip yeah so uh we spent a few days in tokyo kind of getting acclimatized um just going to the major places like shibuya shinjuku kind of the major cities on the west side uh of tokyo and then we went down i think to nara oh, uh, yeah. which is famous yeah. for the deers and yeah. uh, nice, really nice temples as well aren't they yeah yeah, yeah um and then Kyoto for a few days. I think after that, which is just, oh, it's just a heaven of uh, temples and shrines, isn't it? There's so yes. many different ones you can go to. Um, and then I think went down to Hiroshima, um, to the uh, Atomic um, mm -hmm. Bomb Museum. I think we stopped off in Kobe on the way back. Yeah, um, that's kind of interesting. I would recommend people stop off there just for just for an afternoon or something. That's a, a nice uh, foreign. Um, related uh, attractions and then yeah came back to tokyo and um yeah spent a few days there just kind of going to some places like Rapongi, 
yeah, which is a nice uh, kind of posh area in the center, mm-hmm. and uh, Ikebukuro, which is kind of like not many people go there, but it's kind of a, a nice um, city within a city with all the big electronic shops. And uh, I remember being amazed by the internet cafes here, mm-hmm. kind of unlimited drinks, ice cream, and snacks. And it's about five five pounds an hour. <laughs> wow, they still have them here. Actually, um, they still got them, and the karaoke is amazing as well. I think we went to. Went to karaoke last night and it was about six pounds an hour. Oh wow! And yes, yeah. unlimited drinks uh, was awesome. That kind of thing, it would just really amaze me. And but then coming back on the working holiday, I based myself in Tokyo. Yeah, and I really just wanted to focus on Tokyo, but I did a few trips like to uh, Nikko, which are really nice um, for a weekend trip you can do from here. I think I went to uh, Kyushu as well, which is a uh, one of the islands down south. Um, mm. Which is much more rural and um, not all as built up as Tokyo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think Japan is the only place I've been to for what I would say is considerable amount of time in terms of traveling as a month, where I felt like mm. I just touched the surface. You know, some places you go to yeah. where like you can pretty, I'm not going to say complete it, but you can really see a lot in a month. Japan, I felt the opposite. I went to Nagasaki as well. Oh, yeah. Nagasaki is nice, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like you just dip in there for two or three days. You do the Japanese rail pass, and then we base ourselves in Tokyo for a week because um, my partner's got a friend who lives there. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's just a uh, an amazing time, and it's the only country I think I sort of officially declare as a country I'll go back to. I don't normally go back to many because uh, I like to go mm. to new countries, but I think it's the only place that tomorrow it would trump any new place pretty much because I just want to see so much more of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because. Um... I think Japan is rather unique in that way that there are a high number of return visitors. Um, looking back at like the tourism data, mm. like um, a few a few months back, and surprising number of people come back again and again and again. I can't think of any other country that's like that. Maybe Korea. I can imagine people going there like repeatedly, but no. Of course, there's some, some places like Mallorca, which a lot of British people go to again and <laughs> again and again, mm. but. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. Japan's kind of nice in that people across the world will come here again and again and again. And not just otaku, the, you know, the geek uh, and the nerds, but, you know, every kind of person, people interested in the shrines and temples and yeah, just like traveling in Japan, they just come again and again. I think the appeal is also the amazing travel network, right? Of the trains. Uh, it's yeah. not an issue. The, the issue, the only issue is, is you've got paid a price and that's fine. But then they all yeah. work all on time, super fast. Nowhere seems to be out of reach. And you can really plan a yeah. good trip with that in the back of your mind. First week I got back here this, uh, this year, the train was delayed by two minutes and there was an official announcement apologizing for the delay. <laughs>
That's brilliant. <laughs> I was like, I kind of chuckled and thought, yeah, I'm back in Japan. Yeah, good. here in the UK, that's a great result. Two minutes late, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so you base yourself in Tokyo. Actually, before we yeah. get stuck into Tokyo and your book, mm. uh, how did you stay long term? Yeah, so um, I after the working holiday, um, I started working at some uh, English uh, teaching companies here. And a lot of them will sponsor. Okay. Um, they, there's a real big demand for teachers here um, from England and from the United States. Um, so it's a pretty easy place to get a job, uh, one of those. And yeah, kind of went to a few different companies, um, switched jobs a few times, but most of those, I think I did like two or three years with each company. Mm-hmm. Then I've come back this time on a student visa. So I've got two-year student visa and I can uh, do uh, part-time work as well yeah alongside that so it's um easier as long as you've like in the past you've paid your taxes and your health um, insurance mm-hmm. um and you make absolutely no mistakes with the paperwork you, you can get a visa pretty easily here <laughs> that's an interesting comment no, no mistakes with the paperwork <laughs> yeah i remember that for this visa there's about 20 emails back and forth i had with the school to make sure my application was absolutely perfect wow <laughs> but then when it went but then when i applied it i got it in like a week because everything was just perfect for it yeah so but they, they the school knew okay it, for example things like sometimes people change their resume a bit don't they over the yeah. years mm-hmm. and they might omit one thing yeah and then put another one in but the resume i i submit has to have exactly the same things as the resume i submitted like got five it. years ago and 10 years ago for those visas if it's just one thing that's different they'll deny it wow uh, it's that kind of thing you have to make exactly sure it's always correct always the same as before um but yeah like i said if it is if it is all okay um yeah your visa will be ready in a matter of uh weeks or days okay and then is yeah. your aim to get residency in the country yeah definitely after i finish my student visa I can hopefully move to a working visa and then what usually happens here is that after several years to 10 years uh, depending on what kind of work you're doing mm-hmm. um, you can just switch that to a permanent residency and then yeah hopefully I can get that and then uh, yeah um, stay here forever it would be nice. Does the permanent residency have like a end date because the one in Canada that I've got has a five-year end date so you have to keep renewing it? Until you get the pass, if you yeah. get the passport citizenship, then there's no more admin. But some permanent residencies, like New Zealand or or Japan, they don't really have. But it sounds like an end date. Uh, yeah, I think you have to do some kind of renewal. I'm not sure if they is an actual end date. It might depend on the circumstances. Like if you're married to a Japanese person, mm. there might be something where they need to confirm that every few years. But yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I I think you just need to do something with immigration every few years just to make sure you're, you know, still paying your taxes and things. Yeah. But most, yeah. very few people get citizenship here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's not, I don't think it's, I'm not sure if it's a language thing or it's just, or it could be that actually officially Japan doesn't allow dual residency. Got it. Or dual passports. Yeah, yeah. That might so be technically... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you get like a Japanese passport, you're supposed to um, yeah, not use your English passport anymore. Um, and you're supposed to like go to the British embassy and say like, I'm now, uh, I'm not British anymore. And I think that's kind of puts people off. 
yeah because certain countries do obviously allow that canada's like one of them so mm. i think by the time we get the passport in 18 months time we just have both some countries are pretty strict on that i do wonder where it's going as a whole is it going towards one passport only or are more countries letting you have two I'm not sure I, I wouldn't be surprised if japan relaxes it in the future um, oh yeah mm. yeah i mean they the government kind of really understands they need lots of people to come into the country to do uh work that's uh, available yeah so i i wouldn't be surprised if in five years they just casually announce um dual residency or dual passports are okay yeah, yeah. i wonder if they'll base it on country though which would be interesting like yeah yeah like from uk for example that's fine but if you're from i don't know another country in the world that's not got a strong passport they don't allow it unfortunately yeah that could be the case couldn't it yeah i would expect uh like eu and uk and america will be first and then um kind of other countries will be next yeah very interesting yeah okay yeah. so tokyo so you're based there you've written a book mm. the latest one uh tokyo yeah. outdoors 45 walks hikes and cycling routes to explore the city like a local uh first off i'll tell you what i love about it because i've had it for the week is the way you set it out so you have an area oh, thank you and mm. you come up with a, like a start and end point of maybe a walk or a cycling route or whatever and then you give places of interest and then there's like four or five of those it could be like a museum or uh, a temple whatever you give a recommendation mm. for a calf or like a meal spot and maybe something to combine it with as well and um, which is pretty cool because it kind of dishes out to the basic traveler if you like or someone who's nervous are oh, great so if i go to this area you recommended this i can do this starting point end point go to these places have food here done for the day i think that's a really cool way of doing it so i loved it yeah thanks yeah i, I kind of thought a lot about that because i i wanted to make it so that yeah people who uh, are not experienced travelers can use it pretty easily but then people who've been here a few times already they can do something a little bit different they yeah. can do one of the more obscure sites um in the book and uh, like still come across things that they wouldn't have uh, ever found out about and do you think for tokyo because it's so big that mm. this book is sort of possible isn't it because there's hundreds of areas but i do wonder if like any other cities in, in japan could have the same book do you think i think maybe kyoto could oh yeah um def yeah that Kyoto has a surprising number of like shrines that are not in the tourist books, um, but are pretty amazing. Um, I guess there might be a, a risk that you'd be kind of shrined out, as I say, like you just have too many shrines in one day, yeah, uh, too many temples. Um, so maybe Osaka might be also quite good though. Oh yeah, um, of that's kind of like a big metropolis, isn't it? Um, yeah. Kind of connected to a few other cities. Well, well I think what helped me with writing the Tokyo Outdoors is that I, I lived here for so long. I found out all these lit different little places just from walking randomly around and just hearing recommendations from friends. I, I would be really interested to see if if someone could do the same kind of book for Osaka. Um, who's lived? Some someone who's lived there would be uh, the best person to do it because there are so many little nooks and crannies in these cities that um, often the locals don't know about, and it, it just takes a long time to find out. Uh, where they all are and, and also how to explore them because some of them you know maybe there's there might be a bus that everyone knows about but there might also be some little uh, bicycle rental shop around the corner which makes it easier you know, there's lots of little things where it just makes it so much easier once you've lived here for ages to actually know the best way to do things awesome so i guess it's like a i don't how long have you lived in tokyo what eight or nine years yeah it's been about that yeah i think so yeah 
So it's like a information based on the last decade, pretty much, of what you've seen and done, and niche down to Tokyo. Yeah, and kind of like being a real cheapskate, just wanting to walk to places rather than like take the train. Mm. Uh, really helped to kind of explore places. And then um, in the last few years, there's also been a kind of a big growth in uh, bicycle rental system, a bit like. What are they called in London? The Boris Bicycles. Boris Bikes. It's not what they're called yeah. anymore, is it? Well, I don't know what they're called anymore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't say his name too, too they... laddy, I think. <laughs> but they got, uh, they got to, um, in Tokyo, um, they got two systems. Um, one's called Hello Cycling, which has kind of big, beefy bikes mm-hmm. uh, with little motors, which really helps on uphill sections. And then there's also um, uh, NTT, which is like the Japanese BT, and they have their own little bike system as well. And it's about 1,800 uh, 1, a day, um, okay. depending on the location. And you can just take your bike from one point, drop it off somewhere else. And the bikes are always well-maintained. They've always got power in the battery. And it's just, it's just a really um, great way to explore the city. So that's also kind of opened up a lot of places um, that before I thought were a bit of a walk, but now I can do uh, quickly on the bicycle. So has Tokyo built bicycle lanes or do you bike this on the road yeah that's a uh that's a good question because there are some lanes on some roads but i'd say one out of ten people use it here oh um most people just go on the pavement um if you're in a busy area it's just impossible to use a bicycle like around on the stations or a tourist area like harajuku it'd just be nuts to yeah, I uh, use a bicycle, but maybe a few train stops away, it would probably be okay. Take the normal level of caution that you would like in any country, really. Um, and then if you like were to take a train ride about twenty minutes, half an hour away, um, so many nice cycling routes along the rivers mm-hmm. and uh, into the countryside and the suburbs. It's kind of pretty well set up for cycling because the roads are well maintained. Um, you've got those cycling systems I mentioned. And yeah, um, if you ever get thirsty or you need a snack, there's always going to be a convenience store, you know, 30 seconds away or a vending machine five seconds away. So it's uh, yeah, it's really well set up. And are the bikes available in like the outer areas or do you have to carry, like, carry your bike onto a metro uh, train or bus to again, go and bike the area that you want to? Or is it sort of available anywhere in Tokyo? They're pretty much available anyway. It may be that you have to use one system, like NTT might have a certain area locked down, and yeah. then Hello Cycling might be on the, another area. Got it. So um, I usually recommend in the book to check the apps first, just to see like which is the best system to use. And also you can check um, the kind of availability for bicycles as well. I think also Google Maps have recently added availability on their uh, on Google Maps, so you can like search for Hello Cycling and you click on the icon, and it will show you how many bicycles are available, mm. how many parking spots are available, and then you can literally like click a link and uh, and book the bicycle. It's, it's pretty awesome. Oh, that's so easy. Yeah. Wow. Was that not a thing five years ago or six years? How new is this? Do you think? It's pretty new. Yeah, I don't think it was around five years ago. Maybe they were just building up the networks. Yeah, I don't remember being a thing or, or an option. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think some cities like uh, Nauru and Kyoto, they had their own local systems. Like, yeah, you go to a yeah tourist information center or your hostel or something. But now they these uh, two systems are kind of um, like linking up all these uh, local networks. So it's going to be much easier, I think, um, from now on. Okay, and from your book, yeah. I'm going to throw this question in there. You've got 45, it says it listed here on the front cover. Yeah. Uh, maybe give listeners like three areas that they definitely should go and check out for a bit of a bike or a, or a walk uh, that you would recommend. Yeah, cycling rides. If you really want a really long cycling ride, Tama River is really nice. On a nice sunny day, it's uh, just lovely going down that river. And there, are, it's not packed with tourist destinations, but you're cycling past people out doing their everyday things, you know, playing baseball, fishing. You might also come across a little local temple and shrine. There are castle ruins um, along the way. And yeah, it's just a really great um, bicycle ride to do if you've been here a few times and you just want to experience local life for a day. Yeah. So that's a really good bicycle ride. Well, I mentioned Ikebukuro earlier, and that's uh, a nice city walk because that's changing quite a lot. But in the past, it was it wasn't very cool. <laughs> um, it was I don't know what you compare it to. Like in the UK, it would be like if Shinjuku is London, Shibuya is Liverpool, Ikebuku is I don't know Hull. <laughs> kind of, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but now that things are really changing. Like a few weeks ago, they opened a new animate mega mall. It's the biggest like animation and manga. Uh, store in the, in the country now. Um, they've opened a new park with a nice uh, posh uh, cafe and bar. And they've got barbecue there as well. Um, and there's some of the things from the past as well, which have always been popular, like the aquarium and um, well, there's all things, all things like there's a Capcom museum and cafe. Mm. And these things weren't here uh, like five, six years ago, most of them. Um, so it's really kind of interesting to walk around and to see how much the place has changed and and uh, yeah you probably won't see many tourists there yeah. um which is kind of nice but it's still a big uh, built-up area but i'd say if you want something a little bit quieter uh, machida is a really nice uh walk or cycle ride it's a kind of a little outcrop of tokyo on the west or southwest side so it's technically still in tokyo but you would you could easily be mistaken and think it's you know Panagawa, which is the next prefecture. That's uh, I've got a nice uh, cycling ride along a canal and then down to um, one of the local parks, which again you would expect to be kind of not much. You wouldn't expect there to be much there, but there's a really cool restaurants uh, using local food from the community farms. There's a cool little shrine and temple around. Yeah, you can kind of experience suburban life as you walk around or you cycle. Um, down the different uh, alleyways and uh, narrow streets it's pretty cool so if you like traveled in tokyo this way it sounds like it's mm. quite a good budget option because i assume the bikes aren't that expensive and then yeah you would go to like local real local uh, cafes or shops which won't have the maybe the hike to tourist prices so i guess in theory this way is cool because you're not actually boarding for the tourist trap i guess yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, especially if you go to some of the touristy areas in Tokyo, um, you kind of can't help like spending so much money because there are so many 
kind of uh, they call them like power spots here or things you kind of have to do <laughs> yeah but you can if you go to somewhere that's a bit quieter or off the beaten track um you can kind of take your time you're spending so much time yeah just experience things just uh, looking at things there you kind of spend less money and yeah even like yeah like in terms of the prices in the restaurants and the and the shops yeah it would be at least a, maybe one or two pounds cheaper for food mm-hmm. um and that builds up because yeah you usually eat out in japan yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. do you think you need to yeah. know the language as well in these like local areas like the japanese language Hmm. I would say you've got Google Translate. You should be fine. Yeah. Um, the Wi-Fi is becoming much cheaper here or more available. It's not as good as the UK, but it's it's better than mm-hmm. before. And um, SIM cards are pretty cheap. You can get them for about 2,000 yen um, at the airport. It gives you enough uh, data for most people's holidays. Yeah. Um and so you can just Google Translate and and you and people are pretty familiar with that because they use it quite a lot here. And um but you might find that there'll be one person in the shop or one person in the cafe that speaks English hmm. and they'll jump into action when they see you're, you're struggling with the menu or something like that. So awesome. I don't think it's something to worry too much about, yeah. That kind of brings me on to the Japanese people. Uh, I mm. think they're some of the nicest uh, that I've experienced, I guess you might have a different perspective living there. So is that a fair assumption? Yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah, people are really nice here. Um, they can be shy. Yeah. But it also that's kind of sweet in a way, isn't it, when they're shy? Um, so, and I, yeah, there's there are things like if you're lost and you ask someone for help, even if they don't understand really what you're saying, if they know the destination, they'll guide you there. Yes. You know, that that kind of thing happens all the time. And in terms of the language, people can be accommodating. Yeah, if you don't, if your Japanese is not perfect, if you're trying, they really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So even if you say like "hello, konnichiwa," they might be like, "Oh, your Japanese is so good." So they're very <laughs> encouraging. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Yeah, Japanese people are generally really nice. And the language is quite difficult, isn't it? Do you think it's got three different alphabets, right? Yeah, um, it's difficult in a way and it's easy in another way it's like so yeah, the sentence structure is different um usually with you know verbs nouns and and uh, the kind of grammar particles but so one of the character sets so you've got hiragana which is first the main syllable kind of uh main characters mm-hmm. you know katakana which is usually used for foreign words and onomatopoeias mm-hmm and then you've got kanji which is from from china a lot of words are being copied over from english and the meaning might change but if you japanize the word it might work oh okay so if you're if you're lost and you're trying to find something a particular item in a shop yeah if you say in a japanese way it might work like i remember a friend he was looking for tracing paper um and he just went to the shop and said, uh, Tereshingu paper. And the person <laughs> understood. Perfect okay. understanding. Like even things like, um, or technical things like, I remember I was once talking to someone about a construction that was going on. And someone asked me, like, how do you say bulldozer in Japanese? And I just went, oh, bulldozer. And the Japanese person understood. <laughs> that, that kind of thing, just like, oh, okay. So, and computers, all the words are the same. Yes. Sometimes things might be shortened like um 
copy paste they might shorten that to copy mm -hmm. or uh personal computer is shortened to uh Pasacon. okay but those things just make it easier to remember so um at, be at the beginning it's kind of difficult mm -hmm. but then once you get to a intermediate level um you can get by pretty easily okay and mm -hmm. in your book do you give recommendations for places to stay in terms of accommodation and areas yeah uh that's something i thought a lot about and i think these days a lot of people just there, there's so many options on like booking.com mm. that i kind of thought okay i could recommend hotels and hostels but then i've never had a bad experience of a hostel or hotel in japan and if someone finds a better deal on booking.com in an area that i've recommended in the book they should just go for that yeah they're never they're, they're not going to have a horror story so um what i've what i focused on in the book was having locations that are near to each other which you can combine with other ones so therefore if you get a hotel or a hostel in a certain area you can save money and also be easier to travel around if you're always kind of facing yourself from certain train stations or certain areas mm. and you can do a few bicycle rides and a few walks um kind of in close proximity yes yeah, so i think that's something that maybe guidebooks kind of don't really need to do so much anymore I mean, it's just kind of it's much better to do on the internet i think uh, to find what uh, what kind of a hotel you want to stay at yeah i agree i think the options and the the amount of blogs and mm. online guidebooks if you like there's so much yeah you could just pretty easily find it on google i think yeah, yeah. I, I think even if you're loyal to a certain brand if you find something cheap on booking.com yeah you just go for it and yeah in japan it's not like you're going to turn up i mean, i know like if you, what experiences you've had in like southeast asia but i've booked some places and then i've arrived and i'm, I'm actually being moved to another hotel <laughs> or some weird yeah. things like that and that just never happens in japan you never arrive and the water's not working or the room's dirty that never mm -hmm. happens so you can just kind of book with confidence it'll be okay yeah yeah i guess where your niche will come in is the area maybe people can look in your book go oh that area seems cool for like some walking or biking routes that stay there and then they just do their yeah. own accommodation based on that yeah i think so yeah and uh they'll be fine no problem at all if they use um booking.com or agoda is a good website as well yeah um, they have, must have pretty strict policies or like there's no bad hotel in japan but yeah it's really um yeah quite easy to do and yeah and what i like about your book is at the start you did give some useful information i guess for japan as a whole sort of niche down to tokyo a little bit yeah you know the japanese rail pass and that sort of stuff right and then you niche down to the subways in tokyo and some useful information which is yeah. needed i think because it can be quite overwhelming i think so looking at someone like japan where there's just so much to to read, see, and do that people might get a little bit sort of overwhelmed. Yeah, even in Tokyo, it's kind of overwhelming because there are two kind of subway networks, which are separate companies. And then you've got lots of private lines. You've got mm. JR, which is like the main national line. Yeah. And all of those companies have their own passes. Um, some are just for foreign tourists, some are for locals. And tourists as well and so it, get, it can get pretty overwhelming so with the book i kind of thought okay 
if I just focus on the main metro passes, yeah, and also the Tokyo wide pass, which is the main pass from JR, the national company, mm-hmm. that will make things easier. So that if you in the morning you do one walk and you're ready and you're finished, you can go to another place in Tokyo on a bus pass or train, sorry, on a train pass or subway pass. I thought that'd be a really good way to do it so that um, you don't confuse yourself with too many passes because it's, yeah, it's kind of over- overwhelming, yeah. Mm. Do you have any, like, cool facts or, like, figures about Tokyo? I think one crazy one is is the population, right? It's huge. Yeah, isn't it? Something like 35 million yeah. in the main, in the actual metropolis, yeah. Yeah. Because it, yeah, cause it's all kind of connected. Like, London, when you take the train out, you're going to the countryside. Yes, yeah. Pretty soon, but here you just you won't see the countryside if you're on certain lines. You'll just never see it. It's just all city. Um, yeah, it is crazy, yeah. I don't know the actual numbers. Whenever you see the low, the, the, the yearly um, train numbers, also the delay numbers, are how many minutes or how many seconds the trains have been delayed. And they have like rankings for the for the train companies. Yeah. And they're like, okay, the worst one had a five minute average. It's not that bad. <laughs> but that's <laughs> the kind of thing that I find quite amusing here. Yeah. It's not back to pre-COVID levels, but tourists' numbers this year are going to be about half of what they were before COVID. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Which is really encouraging. So I think that's showing that. Um, Japan's making a you know great effort in getting people back, and um, things like you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Mm. You know, Japan was really careful yeah. at the beginning. All the shops are advertising tax free again, and, and making it really easy to know where you kind of get your your tax back. Um, so yeah, there's a real lot of effort at the moment to get to tourists back, which is really great. Yeah, that's great. I think Japan is a country you just have to see. So the fact they're making it. A bit easier uh, post COVID yeah. is good. Is good news. Why do you love Tokyo? So many reasons. Yeah, I think just in terms of living here, like I, I, I like how every day I can do something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're living in a British town, once you've seen the church, done a few walks around the countryside, kind of there's nothing like that's going to surprise you. But yeah, I get surprised here I, every week. You know, just going to some. <laughs> random area and i've come across some um just crazy things like like a few days ago i was walking in uh in shinjuku and i came across uh, a new burger shop or burger restaurant it's a macaroni cheese burger the yeah. burger covered in macaroni cheese and i was like oh that looks awesome and it's only like eight pounds <laughs> uh, those kind of things just happen all the time here and it just always keeps things interesting yeah so that's probably the main reason why i stay is that it's, there's always something interesting i think what i like about it from an outside perspective looking into tokyo mm. would be the problem i find with someone like uk and this might be unfair or fair or whatever i think you're right once you send a few things in a town Mm. Or, e- or even London, I'd arguably say, which is done the tourist things once. And like, I think like here, just the, I think it's like a drinking culture just takes over and this is all about how much alcohol you can drink. And, and that's based yeah. on a lot of things where I'd want to be doing different types of things in a city that's not based on that. 
I think yeah. arguably Australia is a little bit like that as well. They love their drink and it's like alcohol based, but at least they have good weather and there's maybe mm. slightly other things to do. But Tokyo just seems to me that I'm not a gamer really, but I could get into games one week and then go and do some stuff to do with that. Or I don't mind baseball, so I could go and watch baseball one week. But there's different types oh, yeah. of um, stuff within Japanese culture, but also Tokyo that I, like a great sort of lifestyle to have where you can just go and see and do different things if you need it. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also because it's like there are cities and or just cities in the city. In yeah, way that there's just you can just think, oh, okay, I'll spend a day in um, Ueno. Oh yeah, which is uh, I love that area. Kind of a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? And yeah. it, that could, for a lot of people, that might be the size of their actual capital or yeah. their actual uh, yeah. hometown. Um, but there's just so much to do. like, And it's, you know, takes 45 minutes if you're coming from the west side. Um, and it, it's yeah very easy to get to and you can yeah, spend a whole day exploring a new area. Yeah, it's uh, even now there are people telling me about places in Kanagawa and Saitama where I'm thinking oh, okay yeah I could go there for a day that'd be kind of interesting yeah when I was my first or our first introduction into Tokyo we booked somewhere there we put like this like capsule sort of hotel type thing and the area is great was it was it the um the capsule hotel in um in the main shopping street I think it's called like oriental capsule yes. hotel or something something like that yeah, oh, yeah. See, I, I stayed there as well yeah yeah. <laughs> and the the best thing about this area so that the the hostel the capsule hotel thing is great what i couldn't believe was how good the bathroom was for men i think women it's different oh, yes. but for men it was like yeah jacuzzi saunas steam rooms showers yeah. stations to wash your hair <laughs> everything you can think of but i think the women just had a bath yeah. and that was it um, so it's super comfortable yeah yeah that's that's also the, the great thing about japan is that yeah those baths and when you even the if you go out you know 20 minutes away from when or you can go to like real hot springs and um like if you've had a stressful day at work just go into hot spring for an hour or two and mm. you just forget all your worries and it's, it's so so relaxing yeah it's a nice comfortable way to start it i think because then we sort of branched out into like little local restaurants and bars we went one evening went for a drink and these japanese locals are i think it must be like a work team or something like mix of men and women trying yeah. to speak to us they don't speak great english getting a google translate <laughs> out uh so we had a nice oh, yeah. little time with them trying to understand what's going on and then in yeah. the area you've got all the game shops the 100 yen shops the there's a temple and it's like park where you walk through the sort of lilies like a little bit something you know stuff like that very very different type of stuff to go and see in one little area of tokyo but it is a big area yeah and in terms of like drinking, like if you do want to go out drinking, uh, Japan's can still be pretty good. Like, yeah, oh, like yeah, you say, yeah, you, yeah. You'll, you'll meet locals, have a good time. Um, there are lots of all you can drink places here, probably not priced for foreign tourists, mm. they're probably priced for you know, um, you know, business outings yes. and stuff. So you can really get your money's worth. And um, the same goes for food as well. Um, you can like eat out and maybe have, maybe have like 90 minutes of all you can eat meat. For like three thousand yen, um, okay, and just stuff yourself on food. It's this, yeah, those kind of things can be really good here as well. Yeah, I was going to touch on food actually. That was going to be like my next thing about. Yeah, what I found in Japan, I don't again from a tourist perspective, not a local perspective, is for tourists it's not too bad for breakfast because a lot of cafes have these sets where you buy. Mm. I don't know how much it be like six seven hundred yen. You get like an orange juice, yeah. maybe a coffee and a pastry and something else, and they're pretty yeah substantial. I think for the day. 
how do you see Japanese food for, for like maybe a tourist? Yeah, I mean, th- those kind of places are good, but I'd, I'd say um, a lot of hostels um, will have like free breakfast, which helps. Uh, and some of the nice, uh, nicer hotel chains as well will have breakfast buffets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, stuff yourself on food in the morning and you can have a nice uh, light lunch, maybe sorbet or udon at the, at the station. But also the convenience stores are pretty good for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can get like a, a onigiri, which is like a rice ball, um, or little snacks, just little pieces of bread. So you could have breakfast for like literally 100, 200 yen, and that would be perfectly fine. Yeah. And what do you normally advise or even eat yourself for like dinner in the evening or even lunch as well? But like, what are some of the Japanese foods that people must try? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I'd say, um, so of course, you've got to try the uh, conveyor belt sushi. <laughs> uh, which is yeah. so much easier than there was before like they're everywhere now i would also say like try some of the local cuisine like try some okinawa food oh. um there's some restaurants in tokyo have okinawan food and they have some weird things because that's that was where the americans had their bases originally yes. right yeah and so you've got a there's some, some weird mixtures of american and japanese food like um one of my favorites is taco rice okay so imagine the fillings you have in a taco on rice <laughs> just weird things like that wow okay. it's like, like a tex-mex japanese combo yeah and then they have like noodles with spam in and like spam like japanese omelets just weird things like that um so definitely i'd recommend trying those uh, it's also good to like, try some of the uh, teshoku chains so japanese set meals yayo ikeni is probably the best one mm. um they've got so restaurants all over tokyo and you can try lots of different dishes but because it's only maybe 800 to a thousand yen if it, if you don't really like it it's not a major disaster yeah um and you know there's free rice free tea oh. so it's like a really good deal yeah Tell you what I what we both liked actually. Emma is vegetarian, so it's a bit of a struggle actually to find. Oh what yeah, understand is vegetarian and not got any mm. meat broth or meat in it. She does eat cheese. So we had a okonomiyaki. Is that the Japanese pizza? Yeah, okonomiyaki. Yeah, yeah, was really yeah, good. Japanese pancake. Oh, it was a pancake. Yeah, they were. Yeah, pretty cool and pretty tasty as well. I must admit. Well, that's kind of an experience, isn't it, as well? Um, did they make it for you or did you make it yourself on the table? No, they made it for us, but you could see what they're doing. That's yeah. cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's maybe, yeah. that's a really cool thing about Japan, like, yeah, going to the counter or eating at the counter, you can see the chef doing his magic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you can see the skills. It's It's pretty cool. Yeah, and for vegetarians, do you think it's slightly difficult? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I've got an Italian friend, and she's vegetarian, or she, she was vegetarian before she came to Japan. Yeah, and she just kind of gave up. <laughs> it's very difficult. There, there was literally at one time where you would have to explain the meaning of vegetarian every single time you went to a restaurant. Yeah, because uh, of course, like I was saying earlier, sometimes they use words from English. And you know, vegetarian is vegetarian in japanese so it's like a new oh, okay. concept Cult- yeah. culturally a new concept to them <laughs> yeah i would say it's probably best to like make your own food a lot if you're vegetarian um but there are some uh resources like the japan well the tokyo um tourism offices they have 
um, information for vegetarians. Also, okay. um, halal food as well. They've got information on those oh, right. wow. uh, restaurants. So there are a few places that will give you help. It's usually yeah, like always best to just go to the local tourism information center mm-hmm. um, in the place you're in because they'll know. They'll probably have people coming in all the time asking like where are the halal restaurants, where are the vegetarian restaurants, and they'll they'll know like, which places are safe and uh, which places won't like, create any issues when you go there. Yes, we found a chain actually. Uh, you probably know it. It's Coco. Mm. Uh, Coco Ritchie. Yes, uh, I think it's got like a yellow label on their yeah on their shop. Yeah, uh, we actually found one in Taiwan. No, it was South Korea. I think we found it in Seoul and Busan. And they do yeah. vegetarian um, Japanese curries. I love Japanese curries. Probably one of my favourites of any foods. Uh, but I love the the mix between sort of the Indian and Japanese curry sauces. I'm unreal. Yeah, but they do vegetarian slash vegan as well curry options so we did hear that yeah, I've tried those. yeah they're, they're very good aren't they yeah yeah i was I was surprised you mentioned cockle because i i literally go there maybe three times a week oh right yeah yeah <laughs> i love it i actually love it yeah yeah, yeah. i literally have the membership card i, I literally bought the cockle <laughs> cockle magazine last year i'm like i'm like one of the members Shareholder. it's uh yeah they're that's they're so good their, their menu is multilingual yeah, yeah, they've got uh, vegetarian options, halal options, uh, options for if you've got different allergies. Yes, um, yeah. and it's a really easy menu, so you can just point, and there won't be any mistakes. And they also got touch panels at some of their restaurants, so you can use a little tablet, and you you'll know that you're getting something that is um, vegetarian or kind of okay for your allergies. So it's yeah, it's really Coco are really good. You can see why they've um, expanded so much abroad, like into London yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. They got uh, restaurants in Hawaii and uh, like I think even India now. I think they even opened a, a oh, restaurant wow. in in Delhi. Huh. Um, like they're they're just yeah, they're a really really good company. Yeah, a great 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 food. Yeah, yeah. I think in the South Korean one, you could actually do it on the app as well. Um, oh yes, I think they can cool. do that here as well. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a that's really good as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do you know what? I love their curries. Like, I love japanese curry but there's i just know what i'm getting and i love it and it's huge and it's like loads of it and you can like build up so if you're hungry you can add like the large rice or the large extra large it's <laughs> like an extra <laughs> bit of money it's just, uh it's just unreal and you can add like vegetables or oh, loads of different stuff yeah They're yeah awesome. and like you go on youtube you can see people who ordered all the toppings all right uh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> but yeah i can literally like like i have like a spider sense for the the cockroachy smell so like, right. if I'm walking down the street, I can smell it, and I know where to, where it is like straight away. It's just like it, this. The smell is just amazing, and just the yeah, just perfect, perfect curry. Uh, yeah, couldn't recommend it more. Is it popular for local Japanese, or is it more of a tourist or you know expat community? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely for everyone here. Yeah, um, yeah. even local yeah, local businessmen will go there. Yeah, yeah. and families will go there. Maybe the older generation, not so much, but I'd say mm. any kind of person will, will go in there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a little bit different for, say, like, did you go to like, Yoshinoya or Matsuya? The no. Gu- the Gudon chains? No. All oh, right. Yeah. They're, uh, so that's the Gudon's kind of meat, pork on rice. Yeah. It used to be that it was just businessmen who would go there. But those places are kind of updating their menus and kind of, um, rebuilding some of the restaurants so they're much more family friendly now and and uh female friendly as well so 
it's yeah much more open now so kind of all sorts of people are going to pretty much any restaurant here yeah it's um it's much better than before yeah and we also found the ramen street that might have been in tokyo's main station uh train station oh yes yes that's amazing isn't it yeah and they've got vegan options there for ramen as well i believe and vegetarian options so um yeah been there a few times it's strange you're mentioning all these places that i literally went to in the last few days i literally <laughs> went to the ramen street on uh friday oh okay yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 do you remember which one you tried what type of ramen was it oh i can't remember i think we just found one that's vegan and stuck to it i, I couldn't tell you who's whose that was all uh, right but i had the vegetarian so i like i like the egg in it so um i had that mm. yeah it's um, nice uh nice to can help with the spiciness yeah perfect to put some egg in there yeah yeah love it okay yeah. and how is your japanese in terms of language yeah it's okay it's yeah. okay i i uh, everyday conversations all right when have i had trouble <laughs> most of the trouble doesn't come from my japanese it comes from like for example when i went to the bank i recently had to change my japanese name because it wasn't exactly the same as the name on uh, my apartment contract okay and when you go in because it's a completely new concept you've got to explain to them that as a foreigner my name is not correct on your system that kind of thing can create like it, maybe it's not from the language it's like the it's a situation they've never come across yes um yeah. so that kind of thing like that's usually what's most difficult is thinking how do i explain this without looking like a, a crazy foreigner like rambling on about something <laughs> so yeah i think I, I always like just sometimes when i'm speaking to a japanese person i'm thinking okay i'm talking too quick and it's probably all like you know mashed together to them so mm. i have to be like okay just like speak slowly use simple grammar and yeah. simple words uh mm -hmm. don't try and like overcomplicate it and then it's usually okay um and like i said there's if you're really in if i'm really in trouble there might be someone that speaks english yeah, but I'm kind of at the level now where I don't. That doesn't really. It can often be a hindrance if they. Yes. Japanese, if their English level is below my Japanese level, that can be a bit annoying. But yeah, if you want to have fun, you can just pretend you don't speak English. Uh, <laughs> that's a really good way to learn Japanese. Yeah, if you go to a bar, uh, and you don't want people to speak English, just say you're Italian or French or something, and uh, it will usually work. Ah, interesting. That's the only yeah. downfall being English spoken, isn't it? Uh, I know we get yeah. criticised a lot for not learning languages, and I get it. That's a totally acceptable criticism. But I do try and learn any language. If I'm travelling there, I will try and speak it. But as soon as I get yeah. a whiff that you're English or you can speak it, they will respond back in English, and it doesn't really help you, does it? Yeah, I think maybe in other countries because people are more confident with their English. Yeah. It's it's different in Japan. Like it can be a situation where like you're trying to speak a bit of English, but they just won't, they won't want to, they, they might, you might know that they speak English or they'll be too shy to actually try it out on you. Yeah. Um, which that can be quite good if you want to learn Japanese. There are sometimes frustrating situations where people are trying to speak English, but then like, I don't know, I, I'm kind of at the stage now where I, like, I want to kind of encourage it a bit because yeah, it, it is kind of nice when they try. Sometimes I might go bilingual on them and uh, speak a bit of English, a bit of Japanese. Yeah, um, it's kind of cool when they're trying out and like when some people are just so shy, it's nice to like at the end, just tell them it's nice not to say in Japanese, your, your, your English is really good. Keep it mm. up. 
because uh yeah like i think some people you need a kind of confidence boost with their english here yeah that's fair enough yeah and are you studying japanese is that why you're there on a, on a student visa or have you got like a another course that you're doing there yeah i'm kind of studying japanese at the moment so kind of brushing up on the main japanese and then i'm going to do some um, courses on tourism japanese and okay. also a business japanese which yeah. is uh completely in some ways completely different so uh they have this thing called keigo which is polite japanese yeah. sometimes completely new words or ways to say things and then of course in tourism kind of ways you want to speak to different types of people yeah um your boss uh in particular also you know customers people you're guiding around or helping yeah it's there's a lot of um extra words to learn even some some japanese people even go on courses to learn keigo oh wow um huh. yeah i used to teach um a university student english and she was telling me that she went on a course to learn keigo because she wanted to work at a restaurant and the hotel businesses yeah there are words that they'll they'll when they hear it they'll understand it but they won't know the sentence structure themselves so they have to go on a course oh, it's crazy. kind of funny yeah huh. wow okay i want to touch briefly on your super cheap series for oh yeah uh, japan and also other parts uh, of the world because these are a bit more for the maybe bigger trip right not not tokyo specific so you have one called yeah. super cheap japan right which i assume is tips and tricks and knowledge and stuff about the country as a whole to travel to yeah that's um so that's kind of based um aimed at people who are coming here maybe for the first time yeah they're a bit worried about money and how much they're going to spend um so that will take people to the main spots in japan um so like kyoto or nara also to um like hiroshima and nikko so you'll hit all the main spots plus there's a few like um things you could do on the way that may be mm -hmm. a little bit off the beaten track, uh, not so touristy, but are well connected. There's like English support available at the tourist information centers and like English maps uh, yeah. and English signs. I, I would recommend Super Cheap Japan to someone who's coming here for the first time, is looking at some of the prices and kind of worried about how, you know, how much money they're going to spend. Yeah, because would you say Japan is an expensive country as a whole? to travel into yeah i mean compared to say like you're going to thailand or mm. uh, cambodia yes those places are much cheaper i mean the, the flights are expensive now to japan they're about twice of what they used to be i think yeah like the exchange rate is just so good that once you're here it's you don't have to worry too much uh when my dad came like a while ago he he didn't really worry about much money he was spending because it just compared to back home it was just so cheap to go to a restaurant like some of the more expensive places we would go to i'd be like oh my gosh i, I would not you know use my japanese salary on that but it was just quite reasonable to him and then yeah if you use a book like super cheap japan you can kind of uh get more of a gist for the the passes the rail passes, and the bus passes so you can really plan a trip based around places on these passes and uh, yeah, make sure you don't spend too much money on transportation, which can that can if you don't use a pass that the, the, the trains can get expensive. Yeah. For example, if you take a train trip on the Shinkansen up to uh, Aomori, which is the north, almost the most northern uh, Shinkansen station on Honshu, the main island, it can be about mm -hmm. 20,000 yen. Um, oh, wow. One way. 
But if you get a Japan Rail Pass, I think they've gone up recently, but we did a few trips of that length on the Japan Rail Pass, you start saving quite a lot of money. So yeah, if you, as long as you're, you plan a lot and you, you sh- and you find a good plane ticket, you should be okay. Yeah, I think the Japanese Rail Pass is the 100% number one tip um, because it's so fast yeah. and reliable that just pay, if you do two in a week, I think you've probably got already your money, not say back, but yeah, like say individual tickets will just build up in price from what I saw when I went five years ago. So I think even yeah. even now the Japanese Rail Pass price might seem a bit steep, but actually it's not mm. when you use the actual train system going about from one city to another. I think it absolutely is the best way to to get going, I think, in Japan. The easiest way anyway. Yeah. Because they had a, a massive um price rise recently. And it was yeah, big news. Um ah, okay. but even if even if you but you can still, once you're on a certain number of trips, you can still start to save a lot of money. Mm. Uh, I think it was just so it was so cheap in the beginning that it was just seemed quite a shock when the prices increased. It's a pretty big increase. It was seventy percent. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Okay. The past before the price increase was about thirty thousand yen, and it yeah. went to fifty thousand yen for seven days. But that's why for one single trip to Aomori so if you travel around a lot you can still save a lot of money I think even with this uh, price increase yeah I think it's just an accepted cost you've got to factor in mm. because there's no better way to get going on the Shinkansen to any city it's such a cool way to travel yeah and in terms of like money like you're saving a lot of money from just in time as well yeah I think we're in this weird space right now where post-covid countries or tourism boards or tourism stuff it's just increasing in price because they're trying to probably claw back some losses uh, mm. throughout this few few years. I found this year is extremely expensive for what I thought it'd be. So I think it's a bit of a lesson yeah. learned there. Maybe like from next year or two years' time, things will start to get a bit more normal. But I'm, I'm still shocked with the uh, like plane ticket prices. Yes. Just some of them are so expensive. It's yeah, shocking. Because we finished our trip in Asia this year. We looked at flights going from sort of East Asia to mm. Vancouver, which is the only area of the world which flies direct from that side. There's like four or five cities, yeah. right? There's like Tokyo's one, Manila is one, another one in the Philippines, uh, Bangkok, Singapore, and Seoul. But the cheapest one was Seoul. Um, it just about came out on top. Uh, but that wasn't right. cheap. <laughs> Best of a bad bunch in terms of price. COVID kind of finished a while ago, but I think, yeah, like you say, it's just taking, want to get some money back, don't they? Yeah. Need to make some profit for a while. And then hopefully things will get back to normal. Yeah. And you have a super cheap series on New Zealand as well, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so I did a working holiday there for a few years. So I was yeah. like, okay, uh, it would be good to do a, a New Zealand guide as well. So, so yeah, a bit like the Japan one. It's uh, it's yeah the, the main sites. And I was lucky to work at one of the tourism companies there. So mm-hmm. got a few little insider tips for that <laughs> company. Yeah. Um, not not official, maybe not officially sanctioned, but uh, yeah. And other ways to get some uh, some cheap deals. I recommend that as well as a yeah, if you're going to New Zealand for the first time, yeah, you just want to do the main sites, but you're also a little bit worried about price because costs. Yeah. yeah, New Zealand doesn't have as many like deals as Japan, mm-hmm. um, but there are still a, a few like websites and resources that you can use and combo deals or tours that are quite yeah quite good. Yeah. This is a patron shout out to Laura from the Swamp Soup Stickers, 
who has contributed £5 to the podcast on my Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it, and it helps the podcast to keep going in the future. If you're interested, head to the show notes where you'll find a link to my Patreon. The website address is patreon.com forward slash Wigan Air Travel Podcast. For five English pounds, you will receive some trendy stickers from myself in the post, a shout out on each episode, and also my digital travel planner by email. Thank you for your support. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, I think New Zealand is definitely a country that is on the expensive part travel based on my experience there done the working visa there expensive all around yeah what about australia did you how did you find that in comparison equally as expensive <laughs> really <laughs> yeah um but that was a long time ago that was uh, yeah 10 years ago australia working visa but uh yeah always long to go back a little bit because i think you can earn good money there but as a traveler yes, on a whole i ran out of money so it was a bit of a shock <laughs> had to get a job pretty quickly it was Australia where, like, before I always stayed in like hotels and I went to Australia. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do hostels from now on. Yeah. No choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No choice. Yeah. And any lasting advice for anyone who's looking to book a trip to Japan? Book as, as far in advance as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of plane tickets, try and be as flexible as possible with time. And then maybe go and ask your boss if you can take time off. <laughs> Say to your boss, okay. In this month, I'm thinking about traveling when it's good, and then you could be really flexible. And with your, with your flight tickets, Airbnb is not so popular um, oh, okay. as you might expect, but mm-hmm. it's still an option. If you're solo traveling or traveling with friends, there are so many hostels um, you can stay at. But if you've got a big family, you might have trouble. Um, in that case, yeah, look at Airbnb, and there might be some place that's, that's better than a hotel. Uh, which might some of my hotels might not even be able to accommodate larger families. Yeah, in terms of COVID, you don't need to worry anymore. Everything's kind of opened up. Immigration's pretty much back to normal. Holiday seasons here that can get expensive. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So de- definitely avoid Golden Week if you can, which is the main holiday mm-hmm. time here. If you save a few hundred quid on a flight, go for it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the flight at the minute. It's a bit of a cost. Yeah, that's great and. And where can people find your latest book, but also your super cheap series books in case they want to get some ideas that has to do it on a budget? Where can they buy them and your website and social media? Yeah, so um, the books you can get from uh, any bookshop. If you go to, uh, it's available on like Amazon and um, in America, Barnes and Noble, and then the UK on the Waterstones website. Um, all the books will be available on those websites. Uh, in terms yeah. of like your local bookshop, if you are in um, Australia or America, um, you can go to Kinokuniya, which is the main um, Japanese bookshop chain. Um, they'll have them stocked on the shelves. Um, but yeah, if you go to like a local shop, local bookshop, um, you can still order. So you can go into there and just order and I'll uh, deliver it um, to the shop. Um, yeah, and some social media, you can find me on, um, on Facebook, on Instagram at uh, Super Cheap Japan. And I'll be posting up uh, different pictures from my travels and actually pretty regular pictures of the cocoa curries that I'm having <laughs> as well. Yeah, so I think I have about one every few weeks <laughs> posted up there as well. Yeah, yeah. So if you want, yeah. if you want to see the, the latest weird curry, so they have like the latest one is the uh, cheese minced katsu. Oh, uh, wow. Check it out and I'll put some uh, stories with, um, 
the lovely uh, fairies. Yeah. Okay. I will share the links for the books. I'll find those links that you mentioned for the books. And obviously I'll put in oh, the, yes. um, the social media in the show notes so people can click that. Yeah. And Thank I'm you, actually yeah. going to look forward to I didn't get time to read it all, unfortunately, but I've now got a bit of time. So I'm going to read Tokyo Outdoors and see what I have seen and what I haven't seen and then plan my next trip. And look yeah, forward cheers, to yeah. yeah, checking out some new stuff. Because when I go back, I think I ticked off a few, what I'd say is the classics, right? Um, mm. But I would love to, I was saying to Emma earlier, my partner, I, like, oh, I wish I had this before we went last time because then we can pick a few areas to go and maybe stay in or at least go and visit for a day and do some walks so yeah we're really looking forward to check out some local areas and go and see them in the future it'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be really cool yeah and definitely uh yeah send me an email tell me what you think and uh if you came across any surprises yeah it's good to uh, hear back from uh readers as well yeah awesome okay we're going to finish the episode with some quickfire travel questions so these are well, okay yeah normally generic uh from your travels <laughs> not just uh, japan specific but i might chuck in a few japanese ones because cool. you're a local now so that's cool but i'm first going to start with it's travel question time your top three favorite countries that you travel to i can't let you choose japan because that's obvious okay um, so excluding japan uh, what three countries have you traveled to that are your favorites uh, so number one is definitely Taiwan. Um, yeah, that's just like an amazing mix of there's Chinese Japanese culture. There's mm-hmm. also local culture, which is very different from what you'd expect. Completely different languages and different culture. It's really amazing. Cambodia is really nice. Yeah, I I did a few bicycle rides there, and that's just really cool. Just just very chilled out, friendly people. You got the main tourist webs like places like oh, Angkor Wat, but yeah, there are so many cool places like just like half an hour away and you can explore by yourself or do pretty cheap tours. It's it's a really amazing country. Third place would, would be New Zealand. It is like, yeah, it's up there, isn't it? There's there's so many like Brits there that are just so happy to be there. It's, it's like Britain, but nicer ever. It's yeah, it's just a really nice place to live and a, a great place to travel. Just super nice people, chilled out, really funny um and the scenery are just amazing you know oh it's lord of the rings um scenery isn't it yeah yeah definitely is i think you're right about that it's such a it's a, it's a nice uk in it uh, controversially yeah. uh, <laughs> okay what about three countries that you've not traveled to that's next on your hit list oh yeah um so the weird thing is i've never actually been to south korea okay even though it's so close yeah, and just hearing like what you yeah. say yeah, and yeah. other people say I just got to go there and compare to Japan. Yeah, so I was lucky to go to Russia before everything happened for the Ukraine war. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to go to Ukraine when okay. everything was um, yeah. settled down. Yeah. Just hearing about what's the city in the in the western side uh, is it Lviv? Lviv, Lviv. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a cool city. That. Really beautiful. Yeah, the, yeah. and um, Odessa, Odessa, right? Odessa. That's the, yeah, that's got lots of European, like old European, like buildings and. Mm. That's just be that would just be a really amazing place to go to. I've never been to South America, um, so mm-hmm. I'd love to go to um, Brazil or yeah. Argentina just to try something completely different. Uh, I don't know anything about those places apart from you know football and a few other like you know classic things. But yeah, I'd love to go to those places. Yeah. Okay. 
And what about three favourite Japanese cities? So I'll exclude Tokyo, shall I? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a given. I think um, uh, I'm going to diss Osaka and I'm going to pass on Osaka. Um, okay. That's the rival to Tokyo. Yeah. You might get some angry emails about that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Kyoto is probably the top one because it's not just the main tourist sites, not just the main World Heritage sites. There's so much more to see. It's also the N- Nintendo hometown as well. So if you're oh, into wow. Nintendo. Didn't know that. Huh. um yeah it's really cool so you like um for example last time i went there was um i went to the old hq uh, when oh. it was a trading card company and it's now a lovely super posh hotel uh, with a nice cafe and there's also like there's going to be a nintendo museum opening soon kyoto is really cool um and also i'd say yeah nara is really nice mm-hmm. as well as the deer you've also got some really cool temples and shrines lovely parks and uh, yeah, just a kind of a nice, um, yeah, nice touristy feel, but um, not overwhelming like some places. Kagoshima in the south, south of Kyushu, um, that's got Sakurajima, which is an active volcano. Yeah. Um, sometimes active volcano, right? And it's, uh, so you can do tours there and uh, like really nice food as well. Uh, amazing hot springs as well. Awesome. Okay. If you mm. could pick one city in the world, to drink a coffee and watch the world go by, where are you going to sit? Hainan, slightly to the west in the centre. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, have you been there? No, we only went to uh, Taipei and Kushan. Oh, right. Yeah. So you kind of um, went past um, Tainan. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Tainan's it's it's city, but it's but its own identity, um, quite a lot of Dutch culture. Just going there, if you sit in a cafe, it's very like normal like everyday life going on outside and it's not like uh cleaned up like taipei or kaosung um it's still kind of rough and ready yeah um but it's not noisy it's kind of really kind of old-fashioned so yeah it's a really that would be like a really nice place just to sit and have a a cup of tea awesome uh you mentioned your food favorites in japan but i'm gonna go international your three favorite international Cuisines, you know, your country's favorite foods. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think uh, the noodles in Taiwan are pretty amazing, or well, as is the tapioca or the bubble tea. Australia was kind of fun trying like crocodile meat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's not the best taste, but it was kind of, you can try fun little weird things, can't you? Yeah. Canada has some good food. Mm. Um, most famous is poutine, yeah. which is chips with uh, gravy and uh, mozzarella curds or cheese curds. It's not the most healthy thing in the world, but it's just so amazing. And then also like some great like French food and like fusion food and even like uh, some in Toronto, some amazing like Mexican food, like burritos. Uh, yes. Like um, that's, a, that's a place called Burrito Boys, which I loved. It's like a local chain in Toronto, just amazing burritos. And what about a favorite beach that you've been to? I did a few in Malaysia. Uh, a few of the islands uh, oh, yeah. on the west side. Langkawi? Yeah, it, yeah, it began with an L, yeah. Um, yeah, Langkawi, amazing. Yeah, kind of in the west side, kind of reasonably kind of centre left, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, just really chilled out, getting a drink from the cafe, watching out for the monkeys, taking your food. It's, yeah, classic. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Stressful. they stole some Oreos, so that was, that was all right. 
<laughs> yeah, they stole my crisps. I wasn't happy with that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no. classic. Um, or maybe if you come to Japan, you go to um, Nagano. Uh, okay. Be careful of the monkeys because they'll steal your food. And of they'll course. also relax in your hot spring as well. They might join <laughs> you in the hot spring. Okay, interesting. What about three Japanese words that people should at least know if they're going to Japan? Oh, yeah. So, arigato, mm-hmm. which is the thank you. Okudasai. So if you add something to okudasai, you're saying something, please. So if you, for example, want ketchup, yeah, you say ketchup okudasai. Um, okay. You can just say yeah, ketchup kudasai, and people will understand what what you mean. Yeah. Um, or what you want. Other be e or e desne, which means that's good. Oh, okay. Even if you're in a shop and yeah. they're asking you something, you say e e desne then um, they know you're kind of happy with that purchase or that uh, choice. Ah, yeah, but maybe never never say no. Don't say no. And don't say, oh. which is yeah. Uh, maybe if you're a tourist, you can kind of get away with it, but it's right. quite uh, direct. If you don't want something, just kind yeah. of make a look. Uh, or um, actually, if I would add a fourth word, I would say yeah. uh, chotto is really useful choto means literally translated means like a little or i'm not so sure okay but because you don't want to say no in japan if you just say choto then people will understand you're saying no in a very soft way ah interesting okay that takes that takes a bit of time for foreigners to understand that you're not actually saying no you're just you're kind of saying ooh, and then people understand what, what you mean Ah, very interesting. Okay. And the last question is going to be, mm. if you could give some words as to why someone should travel in general, you know, go and travel the world, see some countries, and then maybe mm. secondly, why they should go to Japan, uh, what would you say? I would say, um, in terms of like any kind of travel, it really opens up your mind, not just to like what we we're talking about earlier, like politics, but like, like seeing them people, seeing the different struggles that people have is, mm. it's, uh, I guess as, as Brits, you know, we're, we're we're very privileged and going abroad and seeing the struggles people have it makes you kind of understand how lucky you are which is good like whenever you've got any trouble in your life you think okay some people have got it way worse than i have mm. um that's really kind of good isn't it um, yeah and yeah as you travel around you kind of you don't just learn from other people but you help them as well um so in terms of Japan, it's really rewarding, like coming here and, for example, just even teaching English, seeing yeah. how people can open up more when they're speaking English rather than Japanese. Uh, like they have like the kind of English mode, like some bilingual people here will say like they have a Japanese mode and the English ah, mode. Interesting. And it's like a different person. They can be mm. much more open in English. Uh, also, of course, in Japan, if they had a few beers, they'll be much more open as well. <laughs> 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 Like I'd say, yeah. If you meet a Japanese person, they they look quite like strict. Have a few beers with them, and yeah, you'll have a good time. Yeah, don't worry. But yeah, in terms of coming to Japan, I'd say kind of related to what I was saying about the word choto earlier. Like it maybe softens people living in this country. Like for example, if you're a a, a nerd and you come to Japan, like mm-hmm. I was, and suddenly it kind of boosts your confidence. I think that's definitely something that's happened. A lot of people. Um, come to Japan, they become much more confident, much more outgoing. Something kind of unique to Japan because Japanese people 
really uh, great listeners. Um, that really helps um, to boost people's confidence and uh, kind of makes them more outgoing. So I definitely say that's a great thing about Japan. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. tip, but also kind of nice to hear, right? For people who maybe listen who are uh, a self-proclaimed um, nerd or whatever. Or geek. Yeah. If you're, an, yeah, if you're an, like an introvert, it's a great yeah, place introverted, to yeah. come. Yeah. Because yeah. I was speaking to Miyuki about that because she sort of bases her podcast on being the introvert and how that can oh, yeah. how you can help yourself by traveling in Japan with that sort of that's not mentality is this is the way you are so yeah it's quite an interesting dynamic like I had a friend he came over here and I remember introducing him to uh, to someone because you do that kind of a lot in Japan yeah he was unbelievably nervous to the point of being angry and now he's got a child he's married with a child hmm. and the transition he went through from being a, a super super geek to like getting married it's just uh, amazing to see that transition uh it's like that kind of thing can happen in japan you can you can yeah completely change your life here to, to finish i think also people maybe an example for both of us is like growing up in the uk and you know some people like the culture some people don't and if you don't like the culture i know someone who is from norwich here he lives in japan and he's i think he's now got a girlfriend there and he's sort of settled there sort of same time zone as you know like sort of 10 years and obviously yeah. he just loves the culture there and that's fine that you might find a culture that you like not only japan could be any other, any other country and just feel like you want to settle there so yeah it's quite cool people find these places and decide that's it yeah i definitely say like yeah do some backpacking around and see which is the place for you and if you like it yeah um find some local job you never know you might uh yeah settle down awesome thanks Matthew, for coming on the podcast like a lot about tokyo and japan uh, i do love the country it's on the list to go back and when I'm in Tokyo, uh, we'll go for a for a walk. Yeah, definitely. I'll take you to some uh, some weird cafe or some <laughs> themed restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me on. And we'll chuck in Coco as well. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone, whenever anyone comes to uh, Japan, I have to take them to Coco. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a must. Cheers, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.